0: Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers.
0: Better to have a short life that is full
2: of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Welcome to Footwork.
1: So, Kyle McLagan, welcome to Footwork. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. We always start with the motto here, which is make your own path. And as someone who's played in multiple countries over the past years, what does making your own path mean to you?
2: Uh, I've wrestled with this question uh, since you guys sent it to me. And I, I've listened to a few uh, episodes before, of course. But uh, I mean, making your own path to me is just, it's, I i just believe there's a path for everybody. Um, it's it's not about comparing to other players. It's not about comparing to um, to even to your past experiences. It's just about looking. Oh, silence that. What's that? Uh, it's just looking to the future and uh, you know just seeing where things take you. Like I just I had a crazy experience where in COVID with Denmark, I I couldn't find a, a team. You know didn't know. If, if I could stay there. And then 24 hours later, I was in Iceland and signed a contract. So, um, you know, I, I like to say you're creating your own path, but sometimes it's just laid out for you and you're, uh, you know, you're a bit of a passenger at at certain points. So
1: uh, almost like putting one foot in front of the other until you, until you get there. Right. Yeah. Like I I've always just kind of kept my head down
2: and kept moving forward. And
0: I mean, obviously things have always kind of worked out in the end. So yeah there you have it and before we get into your story tell us who are you where were you and where are you going I'm Kyle McClagan. um I'm a footballer
2: but much more than that um you know I'm a, am somebody who en- enjoys adventures uh likes to kind of seek the uncomfortable um as you'll kind of hear in my stories I guess um where have I been? Uh, from Kansas City, born and raised. Furman in Greenville, South Carolina for school. Uh, Denmark for my first contract, and now uh, currently in Iceland. And then uh, where I'm going, kind of like you heard from the answer before, not really sure. We'll kind of see how it how things okay. play out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. A Bit of a limbo now. Uh, we're running out of contract in October and uh, currently injured, so, you know we'll see
1: and i think that puts you in a very unique perspective kind of you know you've you've been established in Iceland, so we'll we'll stay on the now but you know coming into this this next transfer window being injured and kind of seeing what's next how do you approach that mentally and then what does it look like in terms of opportunities for you is it is it do you feel there's fewer just because you're injured and you're not out there right now
2: definitely definitely fewer um in my mind, at least, I'm I'm very much a realist. Um, coming off an injury, you know, people aren't gonna take a risk on you. Um, I'm not coming from a position of power where I feel like I have some leverage. Um, you know, to go and and I kind of have my my ideas of what I want in a contract. Um, you know, just some some check marks, but coming from a position of injury and not having played for a year. I just, it's tougher to to check those off, those boxes. So um, it's, a, it's an exciting time, a scary time. I've never really like since the start of my professional career, like had much of a, a free agency period um, where I had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, and I'm not going to say I have no idea what's going to happen now. I very much want to stay with my current team and um, my coach wants to keep me. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, putting two or two together, I guess, uh, and sorting some things out. And also just a question of when that's going to happen, you know, are other people maybe going to come to the table in Iceland before my team? Um, so a lot of question marks, it,
1: it is a scary time ahead, but I'm also just kind of, uh, I'm excited, intrigued. Do you feel like you thrive sometimes in these kinds of situations? Cause you said you kind of seek this discomfort and it seems from your story, I mean, you know, coming out of high school not really, having been scouted as much as you probably would have liked for university, do you kind of thrive on that? Maybe it's proving people wrong or proving yourself right, but just kind of that underdog story in which you know, that you're going to persevere with the determination.
2: hundred percent. I have always kind of felt like an underdog. Um, I don't know, maybe it's stupid to, to people listening, hearing that, like as a professional, but I've always felt I had a kind of a chip on my shoulder um and i've always like i said just kind of kept persevering kept pushing forward um but yeah i kind of i don't know sometimes i thrive in chaos uh but i'm getting to a point now almost 28 where it's like okay let's let's air towards a a little security now you know so uh there's no no
1: harm in thriving during chaos though i mean if there's one place to thrive it's there yeah see i've i'm
2: kind of i'm wrestling with that now at the minute like um you know, it's secure. It's I'm not gonna say easy, but it's it's the easier route maybe to stay in Iceland at the minute. Um, but the reason I was playing in Denmark and the reason I went to Furman and the reason I came to Iceland is I'm a bit of an adventurer. Like I always thrive in new environments. Uh, I always kind of crave new environments, new challenges, and uh, I don't know. Do I? I'm leaning towards security at the minute, but in my nature maybe is an adventurer. So
1: that's a. It's a a very interesting topic because Sean and I have always kind of felt the same where there becomes a period where you feel like you need to step outside to grow more. But I also kind of on the flip side to play devil's advocate to ourselves is, you know, learning how to keep thriving in an environment you've been in, I think is also a challenge that I haven't been able to, I guess, master or even get close to mastering like I have gotten, I haven't gotten close to mastering when I've gone to new environments, but I would say I thrive better in that period where I'm like, I have to prove myself and do this, but in a position you've already done it, that's yeah. also kind of a new skill to learn.
2: Yeah. So my current team, um, uh, we are the best team in Iceland. We're going to be the champions here, hopefully tonight. Um, you know, I we have, if we win, of course, champions league the following year. Um, and as a team who wins it the following year, you have a target on your back. Um, yeah. So, it's been very fun watching from the sidelines this year, but also very tough because I know the expectations of next year. Um, hmm. Now, naturally that as a, as a healthy footballer, that wouldn't scare me, i welcome it. But the, the, the thoughts start to creep in as an injured player, um, you know, who's basically, I'm, I'm aiming to be fit by the start of the season. Um, now, can I come back and immediately find the pace of the league that I have played in before? hopefully um but it's it's gonna be a different challenge like it's a different type of pressure than i've had in other clubs in other countries like, like fighting for trophies you know sometimes if you put a foot wrong and you cost your team a goal or three points like it's it's just a different pressure to play under
0: sure and what about i mean speaking on that injury how do you deal with when the doubts creep in because it's normal we have both we've all gone through injuries and that always comes up is like you start to begin like oh can I do this can I play it oh it looks the the speed of play looks quick like am I going to be able to do that but while you're working through the rehab and injury before you even getting back on the field are there things that you've kind of worked through through this um, recovery process that like okay this works or I understand I'm feeling this now but this is just like a moment and it's going to pass
2: I've had doubts throughout my whole career honestly Um, we'll kind of get into it when I get into like the start of Denmark, but I, I had three, four months where it was like, am I even good enough to be here? Like, do I deserve to be here? Um, and then, I mean, even last season, you know, sometimes in training, it's like, like I'm feeling very low on the totem pole right now. Like sometimes the creeps doubt, like the, the doubts creep in even when I'm healthy and playing, but now, yeah, of course they creep in. Like, you know, we brought in a player from Faroe Islands who basically replaced me. Uh, in some sense of the word, and he's done very well. He's been the best signing of the summer, you know? So it's like, am I competing with him now? Am I competing with my, you know, is there more competition in my position? So the doubts have definitely crept in, but I've just tried to, I've looked at football a different way since getting injured. Um, It's not like I'm studying it more intently, but I just see the game differently. Um, Maybe it's just from, From the sidelines from a different perspective like you know in the stands you just get a different view Uh, you see all 22 players and in between the lines and you know how one movement a counter movement opens so much space for somebody or like you know uh so basically what i'm getting at is i'm just always i'm trying to improve um even if i'm not physically like improving on the ball i'm trying to improve mentally and and just yeah understand the game and educate myself in in another way so that's how I'm trying to deal with the doubts Um, it'll be different doubts when I'm you know back in training but it's kind of the nature of it I guess.
1: Do you feel like they sometimes kind of cancel each other out because of the highs that you've been able to reach like how often do those kind of cancel out the doubts I mean we'll get into it you know playing in Champions League European League qualifiers and making a first tier European league when, you know, I'm sure a lot of people or, you know, a lot of people didn't expect that to happen. You know, does that, reaching those highs, does that sometimes kind of squash the doubt?
2: I don't know where I heard it, um, first, but I've, I've just heard it over the years, not just footballers, but, uh, professional athletes in general, but like trying to just stay neutral through the highs and lows, um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know you want to celebrate the wins, and and you have to learn something from the losses and the lows. But I've tried to re- remain neutral as much as I can. It's easier said than done, of course. Um, but yeah, in in some regards, like knowing that I've played against some of the some of the best teams in Europe, like yeah, it it helps me to then come back to Iceland and and play a team in our league. You know, so yes and no. Um,
1: yeah. It's a, it's it's a relationship, a, right? It's, it's waves, yeah, but, it's, it's, yeah. it comes, it goes, it's, I mean, that's the life of a, of a footballer. And I'm sure in other sports too, is just, yeah,
2: I think just an athlete, honestly.
1: Yeah. It's never, it's never going to be the same coast for too long. And, but just like you said, kind of learning the tricks and tips to try and bring it back to as neutral as possible to take that step next step each day.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's just not cut and dry. Never really is in in sports.
1: Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork, is now live.
0: Check out all footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos.
1: The press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests.
0: Game time. Updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the
1: microphone. Want to go pro dedicated to helping soccer players. Follow their dreams with helpful info and in our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything.
0: And of course, the Footwork shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more.
1: So join the club at Footwork.club.
0: And let's talk about some of the highs. I mean, Dylan mentioned it, playing in Champions League and Europa League qualifiers. Playing in front of 20,000 in Poland. Walk us through that. <sighs> man um
2: yeah like you know like you said i i never really expected that in my career like i never was like oh champions league you know or you know it was always a dream of course like it was a dream to play professionals a dream to play in these leagues um but when it when it became a reality it's something different but like i don't know i you prepare for these games I'm not gonna say the same way as you would normally prepare for a game. There's definitely a lot more focus and a lot more emphasis on certain things. Um, just from a team perspective and a personal perspective. But yeah, playing playing these games, like oh, the first five minutes of playing in in Poznań, in Poland, man, like twenty four thousand people, massive stadium. Like I was like shaking a bit, like jumpy, you know, I can I can imagine nervous as yeah. hell. Like, you know, so yeah, the, the highs have been quite high. Um, and to be honest, I aim to take them higher. Uh, our team aims to take them higher um, by qualifying hopefully for group stages next year. But yeah, I mean, I can't, it's, it's so tough to describe like playing in front of 24,000 people. Um, and a unique thing about the the experience in Poland was we took this team to extra time on their pitch uh, um they were in, in a bit of a rough stretch like in the league they were the fans weren't happy with the performances with the coach um so when we took them to extra time like they were booing their own their own players and clapping us on like it was crazy so at the end of the game like the wall behind the goal of their their supers uh whatever um their whole team was gathered in like the center circle, just getting absolutely berated—whistles, boos, like all this—and they just kind of like quickly left the pitch, and then uh, they just started like clapping us on, and we were kind of all walking over to the wall, like <laughs> you know, a sign of mutual respect. But it was uh, it was an unreal feeling. Like we put everything we we had out on the on the pitch in that moment, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get the recognition like on that level was kind of something different.
1: Did you feel throughout the game, did you, did you ever have moments like, I know you said in the beginning, it was kind of calming yourself down, maybe getting that heart rate off of, off of the cliff. But during the game, did you ever kind of feel those moments of like, wow, like I've made it to this point? Um, Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, I don't know, like when we, when we made it, we scored like 93rd minute to send this to extra time. Um, So that feeling, Honestly, me and my other center back, cause we like ever since the 75th minute, we just kind of sent numbers forward and it was basically like me and my other center back, maybe our six, like tracking back against like five on three, basically oh, I was God. dead. So we scored in the 93rd minute and me and my other center back dropped to our knees, like another 30 minutes of this. Oh my days. Like how am I meant to do this? So like I got, I got more tired in this game than I had in, in a lot of other games mentally and physically um so once you kind of like experience that you realize just like some of the levels but you realize kind of how close you are to it as well like yeah just out of touch just out of reach but yeah i mean in that situation like i knew i had reached a new high in my career like but you know the feeling just immediately makes you hungry to experience it
1: again so yeah Yeah. It's funny you say that. I mean, it's, it's, it, when you see what's possible, then it kind of resets and then it goes even higher. So after that game, I can imagine that you felt like, Oh, I could do, I can do more than this. And before that, maybe you didn't feel like that, or you didn't see that or feel that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, At that point,
2: that was the second leg against them. So we actually beat them on our home pitch, which was another crazy feeling. Um, Beat them one nil. And it was kind of like, we can do this. Like, you know, you kind of feel on top of the world, but playing in their stadium on their, like their home ground was just something different. It's
1: crazy. And how about winning some silverware in Iceland? How does that kind of rank up there and and walk us through those celebrations? I'm sure they were fantastic. Yeah, definitely
2: a high. Um, last year was, uh, was mixed emotions. Um, we didn't do so hot in the league because we put so, so much of an emphasis on Europe. Um, But getting to the cup final, uh, everybody kind of had this eerie feeling like, okay, we can rescue the season a little bit. Um, Because the way my team performed, even when I got here in the last five years, we've been fairly dominant. Like this is the fourth uh, cup win in a row uh, that we just won last week um, and five years in a row. So um, there's – with the winning comes the expectations, of course, um, of the club, of the fans, of the coaches, the team. Um, so, last year, not doing so well in the league, um, it was, we did well in Europe, but like I said, we were kind of just out of touch um, of, of accomplishing what we wanted, of reaching our goals. Like, we put up a hell of a fight against Malmo, we put up a hell of a fight against Poznan, but we came away with not much to show for it. Um, and then, obviously, in the league, we, we didn't perform as we should have, as we could have. So winning the cup and making it to the cup final even like you kind of felt like okay we have something to at least stamp this season as a success. Mm. Uh and yeah and then I mean the cup final itself playing in front of I think we had seven, eight thousand people in the national stadium of Iceland, like another big game, but you know, it was a it was a great feeling. Uh yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like winning a trophy uh is not something I necessarily like expected to to have the opportunity in my career you know yeah especially going to denmark in the second tier like yeah you can win the that league but you know win promotion whatever but i never really thought like winning trophies was gonna be truly like within reach in my career so actually getting to play for those trophies and and win those trophies was something else
1: Speaking on those, I mean, you spoke about some of the pressures and demands of kind of playing for a club who's had the success. Can you speak on some of the the pressures, the demands, and the style that is required of you in Iceland?
2: Uh, I think my team, along with maybe two or three others, um, have quite different demands than the rest of the league. Um, mm-hmm. the, the direction of the league is going in the right way, um, but there are three or four that kind of conduct conduct themselves differently more professionally um i'm not gonna say for lack of better term they do more professionally um it's how these clubs are run um but yeah like the i kind of went away from the question but uh the expectations of of playing in this team are quite high just like within the club itself um my coach played on the highest level he played in the prem played in herdevis played in france like the way he sees football the way he sees the team the way he sees like yeah just the game in general like he has expectations he has high expectations like even sometimes when we win it's like okay were we really good enough in this game just to like to say that we played how we wanted like how how we drew up the game the tactics and everything so um yeah just the the pressure i've been on both sides like the the pressure of facing relegation versus the pressure of playing for for the first place or for a trophy every game um yeah it's it's just different um but we have very high expectations in our club um to perform and to do all the small things right despite this is another conversation not even being technically full-time professional um yeah it was kind of a roundabout not so answer answer but that's a podcast yeah exactly
0: (laughs) there's a lot to dive into here um so first off style of play what is the style of play in iceland in your in your eyes and maybe is the style of play your team and a few others much different than the rest of the league
2: i would say yeah um the top two or three play some beautiful football um we actually have a team brenda uh who are in the group stages of conference league um they play some good football some very good players um the team that we kind of competed with um and pulled away from Valur in second. Um they have some old professionals, some um Arne Johansson, um they have some old professionals who just are, are very good players. They understand the game and like they play good football. Um but as you start to get lower or maybe in the table, um it becomes a scrap. Like the realities of Iceland and sometimes the weather uh can very much affect the game because it can be very windy. It can be some you know pissing down rain um but i think there is there is a lot of individual and a lot of just a lot of quality in general in iceland and i think a lot of people just don't they don't understand that Uh, you hear iceland tiny country um maybe you relate that to 2016 and 2018 the euros and and all that and uh i just think it's kind of under underestimated in iceland but we have some some quality players some quality teams and the football is quite good, um, but in terms of styles of play, yeah, the lower teams it can get to be they just try to make it physical. Um, some of the tougher games to play are on like some grass pitches away, where um, like so Aquinas, uh, for example, uh, is a, a kind of a lower end team. in, in the recent years, um, they have a dry grass pitch. It's always windy there, and they just make it a battle, and that is not the style of play that we that we yeah not the style that we play but also not the style that we match up particularly well against or didn't last year this year we definitely have dealt with it better um so there can be uh some more physical aspects like in in kind of the lower games or depending on the weather uh, but the type of the type of football that we play is very much like a man city um even a brighton now we watch a lot of film about with brighton uh just okay. the way it Deserve. Is having these guys play. We build a lot with three in the back, um, usually two sixes, and um, and yeah, usually three two five is kind of our buildup. Um, heavy emphasis on possession for us, um, but yeah, uh, you know sometimes there's games where you it's can't play that, that. Yeah, fight, exactly. It turns into a dog fight, but uh, yeah, that's again a roundabout answer
0: yeah. and you mentioned that you just mentioned before too that it's not full-time despite it being professional what do you mean by that uh it's something that annoys
2: me about iceland um but they only refer to profession like if you leave iceland you become a professional which is so annoying to me like some guy not anybody in particular can go to the third tier in sweden it's like oh he's gone to play professionally abroad And it's like, it's just a small mentality to me, Um, a bit like we have a team in the group stages in our league, um, but it's considered part-time football because everybody trains in the afternoon, barring one team, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, My team, we don't have many people who work, but some of the lower teams definitely do people who work full-time jobs and then usually trainings at five. Um, so in that sense, yeah, it's not professional where we're training in the morning and you're getting meals at the club and like, you know, there's like a big, um, big group around like the, the team, like of administrators and everything, but, uh, it's, it's definitely going that direction. Um, but yeah. Is that,
0: is that, is that from the Icelandic perspective or there's also, you've encountered from people outside of Iceland, they say, oh, it's not professional there
2: i mean if you come here as a foreigner you're a professional um you're paid as a professional totally. like you you view it as a, a professional um so that's why it kind of pisses me off because i'm i'm a professional my team are full of professionals but right in the media yeah. it's like ah uh, you have to go abroad to be a professional it's just like all right like
0: also oh, in iceland hmm. they're saying you have to go abroad to be a professional yeah, that's kind of the view.
2: That that has been the view as of recent. Um, the money's gotten better here. The football's gotten better and everything. So it's definitely going in the right direction. Um, we just are kind of like, I say we, it's just kind of on a cliff's edge where like we need a little push for teams to
0: start. Right, it's, it's still in the early stages.
2: Actually, yeah, going into becoming a professional professional league.
1: It's crazy that you there is a, a team in the European or in conference league, qual- right. or a conference league group stage, and the league is not seen as professional within the country. Could you imagine there was like a team in the group stages from America? I mean, the <laughs> league and every league yeah. above, below, and above it would be professional. You know, like yeah, I mean, jump on that word.
2: So yeah, the team in the group stages, I would consider them professional. Like I would consider us professional. I would consider one or two other professional. They call it semi-professional or like part-time because you know in some teams you need to work and they just allow other people to to work full-time jobs and then play football like I don't know that's just kind of been like the the culture of Icelandic football for so long that it's just kind of accepted
0: yeah it's so interesting too because I had a teammate that he played in the Faroe Islands which is kind of seems to me it's just like a smaller version of the Icelandic league yeah And they're, everyone, everyone plays, everyone works because everyone's working, but it's still professional. So they're just working to make extra money and because they have their mornings off. But yeah, it's like the league's not as good as Iceland. The teams I don't, in overall, I don't think are as good, but it's the same style. It's like, they just all work because there's nothing else to do.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's a decent way to look at it. Like, you know, it definitely helps everybody on my team then can kind of earn like, their money in, in some ways, like some guys don't need to work in my team. Plenty of guys don't need to work in my team, but they do because they can and why not? So yeah. But uh, with, with Bredeblik kind of making it to the group stages and the ambitions we have and some of the money um, in, in a couple other clubs, like I believe in the next five to seven years, like, There'll be, you know, half the league will be like full time professionals where they're training in the mornings. But that's my amb- my hopes, I guess.
1: Yeah. Time will tell.
0: Time will yeah. tell, is right, yeah. exactly. And let's go back to proving people wrong. So, going into college, you were basically a walk on, and then eventually earned a scholarship, and then turned into a career playing Champions League, Europa League qualifiers. What was that like for some of getting into college or not getting into college as a footballer and walking onto a team and then becoming a starter? Uh,
2: for me, like
0: basically up until 17, 18, like
2: junior, senior year of high school, like football was kind of just, I loved football. I loved playing football, I loved watching football, but like it was kind of just more of a a social thing for me. Uh, hmm. I played every sport up in 15, then I focused on football and I don't know, like, yeah, it was always more social for me. So like, when I started to think about college, um, and started to like have some real success in high school, my junior and senior year, like, I knew that I wanted to play like around that time, but I didn't know how to go about it. Um, and then I just didn't get a lot of interest. I wasn't, like, I was on a a team that wasn't really affiliated with any any club um i'd kind of missed my window on the academy um for yeah reasons won't get into but missed the window there so i wasn't like on we were we were a serious team like we you know we wanted to win we were winning state championships but like um not as serious where like a lot of the guys had had these ambitions to to play in college so when i turned to college like I don't know. I don't know if I just didn't know how to go about it or I was just late to the game, but like I just didn't get any interest besides like kind of local D3, um, couple D2, but I kind of just like, I just had in my mind, I guess, like I'm going to D1 or I'm just not going to play football. Like, you know, I think at some point, like I kind of just said, yeah, maybe I just won't even play. Um, I don't know why. I think I was just being stubborn and I was like, I'm, I want to go to division one whatever uh eventually it kind of yeah just came down to i went to Furman to one of their their like uh summer camps did well and then they had some interest but it was kind of like like Furman's an expensive school 60 grand a year so like you know it was cool to have some interest they couldn't really offer me any money um and then i also went to creighton they were kind of interested but i didn't get any money anywhere so i was kind of like i don't know i had some my parents can attest test this. I had some tough nights at our dinner table, just sitting there, like not knowing what the hell I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Like I knew I wanted to go away from home, but you know, I didn't really know what it would look like. And I can't even say like I had a definitive time where I like made a decision. I think I just kind of had a gut feeling with Furman and yeah, and enrolled with it. And then uh kind of just showed up, not really sure. Like I put in the work of course, like I, I've always been a work horse, I guess, Yeah, for lack of better words, but like I put in the work and went into Furman ready. I just didn't really know what to expect. They didn't know what to expect of me, just had like a, a walk on spot, like you said, and I just kind of, I grew into it. Um, similar to when I first arrived in Denmark, like I kind of alluded to, when I first got to Furman, um, I went in the summer because we had like captain's trainings and everything. And I kind of just felt like, very much out of place I was like oh okay am I good enough to even be here kind of grew into it um you know got a few minutes in my first four or five games and then just kind of got lucky there was not lucky somebody got injured um so I a a little lucky on my part I guess but I stepped into a into a position where I got the starting spot and kind of just never really looked back um but yeah I I don't know I never really like I loved football at that point like I loved playing it but I was never like on this serious path where it was like you know some of these academy kids are now where it's like I have to go yeah do this and like go to a top program like because that's the only way to get to professional like I never really like I say I didn't see a path but like I guess I wasn't in the forefront of my thinking.
1: Yeah I mean you prove that there's multiple paths and there's multiple ways to get there so yeah. I mean for you and and for Sean and I as players who also kind of did a lot of the combine routes, how was that experience for you after college and kind of getting into that first contract afterwards? Oof, I had a rude awakening, my first combine. Um, for
2: yeah, whatever reason, the draft uh, I don't even know if i like was I was eligible for the draft. But I don't think I applied for the draft. I don't think I did any of this paperwork um. I was naive, I guess, but also I don't think I got much help from my coach uh, in that aspect, but something else there. So he sent me to Charlotte, to Independence for like an open, not open, it was an invite combine. And I went there with another player from my team. um, And I don't know. I just, I don't know if I wasn't prepared. Uh, Played the first day and I didn't even get invited back to the second day. And it was kind of like, like oh okay uh so yeah professional is a different level um and then i went to a couple other i can't even remember the order of it but i went to an open tryout for oklahoma city like this was a proper open tryout on uh you know some some like youth grass pitches you know and and all this and i don't know i just kind of went and uh and played and enjoyed it and ended up getting, I think I was one of three. They got invited to preseason with OKC. Um, did I say Thunder earlier? <laughs> no, Energy. There you go. Um, <laughs> close, yeah, very close. <laughs> same thing. So I got invited to preseason there. Um, and I think at this point, like I said, uh, Charlotte kind of gave me an awakening. Uh, so I I knew I had to switch mentality. I did switch mentality. Um, and I went into this preseason like, again, I don't know. I haven't, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't know what to, what was going to come of it. Like I didn't even know how this level was going to be. So I went there and I did fairly well. I survived the first, uh, first round of cuts, Um, you know, kept growing in confidence growing in, in, uh, into the team and into the environment survived like the second round of cuts and then kind of uh, I think, so that was like a week and a half. And then uh, come like the second week, end of the second week, we played a friendly. Um, and the coach kind of pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, we we actually like what we're seeing with you. We see some potential in you. Um, but I think it came down to like they had a guy from, I don't know, Europe or Africa uh, coming in and basically was having some visa issues. He was a center back as well. And if he like got his papers through, then – you know they didn't have a spot for me didn't have money for me so uh and he never really said like oh if it's not this guy it's you you know but he kind of said then we'll kind of keep you around and see how it goes so unfortunately played this friendly i think like the the weekend or this was on like a friday so on monday or sunday I got a call like yeah this guy's coming in um you can stay and train with us type of thing but we don't have a spot for you we don't have um, you know, a roster spot or money for you basically. So yeah, uh, went back home at that point And I don't really remember my family, um, uh, is fairly well connected in the foot footy community in Kansas city, but somehow I landed in Swope Park Rangers, which is the USL team for sporting. I went on a two week trial there. Um, but basically they had just drafted, uh, Graham Smith from uh, Denver. Just signed my friend Matt Lewis. Um both these are both center backs, by the way, on homegrown contract. And then they had uh Dakota Barthenon. Dakota Barnathan. Barnathan, Dakota yeah. Was Not Barthenon, Barnathan, yeah. <laughs> uh they, they had, had him Barthen. on the roster and then they had like another youth, uh like a U 19 guy they were trying to bring through. So I went on a two-week trial there, did fairly well, but it was never there was never really like the opportunity for me to actually like get into this team. Um, so just a good experience. And then basically at that point, uh, this was like start of March and start of the season. And it was kind of like, well, there goes my window kind of, kind of thing. So, uh, it was sitting at home thinking, all right, well, what's next. And, uh, basically I decided to go down to Dallas. Uh, I have family in Dallas. so I went and lived with my aunt. Um, And I trained with this guy named Peter Lucian. He's actually the assistant in FC Dallas now, Uh, but former French international played in Atletico Madrid and, you know, unreal career um, and knowledge of the game. So I went down and I was like, all right, I'm going to go train with this guy and I'll find a team, whatever. Uh, So I ended up had a couple of friends from Furman in um, an NPSL team down there called the Fort Worth Vaqueros. And I was just like, all right, this is a place to play, a place to train, and kinda of we'll we'll just see what happens. Like I had no I had no real timeline. I had no idea like what I was doing. I was just like I right, I'm just gonna keep playing type of thing. Um I had graduated, so I uh, didn't have to worry about that. But yeah, I was just training with this guy and training with the team and playing and living in my hands. I wasn't earning any money, I don't think, doing anything. So <laughs> basically just kind of being a degenerate. Like I had no <laughs> plan, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I just on Instagram, uh, AX soccer tours popped up. Um, there was a guy I recognized. Uh, one of my friends played with him in West Virginia and I was like, Hmm, okay. This is interesting. You know, like trial in front of European coaches type of thing. At first I was just kind of like, yeah, sure. You know, come pay. I think it was like 500 bucks or something at the time. Like, Come play in front of these coaches, and we'll send you to Europe. And I was like, ha, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, reached out to my friend who played with him, and and then got in contact with uh, Stephen James, was his name, and uh, he kind of just said, yeah, look, they they might have an opportunity for me in Sweden. Like, um, I can kind of put you in contact, but it's not like, you know, it's not like the the scam whatever that you're thinking it is. Um, I was like, okay. Once I kind of got the word of approval from somebody that I respected or trusted it was kind of like okay He put me in touch um this was literally i think four days before this tryout started in austin and i kind of just like got in touch with the guy i was like hey i got a place to stay i have a friend in austin like can i just come to this thing uh i'm not gonna pay 500 dollars, but can i just come he was like yeah come on just whatever just come down so i went to this and it was a tryout, you know, you can, anybody can pay to do it. So I got there and it was just kind of like, oof, okay. After the first day of training, it was like, not sure what could come of this Uh, just yeah. kind of based on the level of the first day. We played two game, two days after that, No, we played for the next two days after that. And I kind of just was enjoying it. I like, after the first day, like I said, I was kind of like, eh, don't think much is going to come from this. So, just playing, enjoying it, having fun, meeting people—you uh, know, just kind of being myself. Uh, I think I even like before before the last day. Uh, I was staying with some family and friends, and I had like a couple of margaritas the night before. <laughs> like maybe not the best to say that, but no,
1: that's a recipe for success. Yeah, but I was just kind of like,
2: all right, I don't see the path here. Um, yeah, and. Then, at the end of it, my, my coach of, uh, or technical director of the club that I eventually ended up in Denmark was like, yeah, we're interested in you. And, uh, we'd love to have you to Denmark. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, sure. You know, when this is in like April, end of April. And I'm like, okay, I know the season's ending. Like, they're not going to rush me out now. Like, why would they do that? So, okay. I got the summer. Yeah. Whatever type of like, yeah, I'm sure I'll hear from you type of thing. Then Alex, the guy who ran AX at the time, kind of reached out and just said, this team's interested. They want you on trial. And I was like, sure. Okay. Uh, are we just thinking after the summer? Like, you know, do I have the the summer to prepare? He's like, no, I think they want you there next week. And I was like, oh, yeah, next week. And I was like, oh, my days. Okay. Good thing I've been training. Good thing I've been staying fit. Yeah. Um, That's definitely one, like, attribute to my success. Uh, I was always I was still playing, I was still keeping fit, like I was always ready. So yeah, I went to Denmark on a two week trial and uh they liked me enough to to keep me around. But that's the long-winded answer. Like I got a bunch of no's before and and I expected nothing from this AX soccer like after the day, the first day. Yeah. I expected nothing from it and I just got I got a bit lucky. Like that's the it's a shit way to say it, but a little bit of luck in, in this, in this field, in this career, like you can jumpstart a career. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, but it's also kind of, it's, it's where you're lucky in a, in a sense where, you know, you were seen at this time and at this moment, but you're putting yourself that summer through so many different opportunities and through so many different eyes. So it's also kind of like, because, I mean, it's tough. We get asked about combines by players all the time. And, you know, we tell them, like, open tryouts, it's kind of tough because a lot of them can be money grabs. Um, there are some good companies. There's some not-so-good companies out there, from our experience, yeah. what we've heard. But it's also kind of like when you have nothing and you you want something, It's, it's getting yourself in front of as many eyes as possible so that, like if you're prepared like you were you know you were you were ready at the time that that can kind of meet and create a moment where you can get that luck and then get that opportunity it's it's very tough to tell someone yeah do combines or don't do combines but that's kind of the the story of it
2: yeah it's also sometimes i just feel bad like when people ask me like how did you get to this point and what can i do it's like well i just went to a bunch of different combines like and i and tryouts and i got lucky at some point like yeah but and I won't get into it too much because it's a question later but uh uh it's kind of my mantra like oh, that, that leads into this like create your own luck I was just I I was staying fit uh I was waiting for the opportunity and then the opportunity came and I took it so uh you didn't see a lot of the the 6 months of of training uh leading up to it but oh okay 6 months of training after school but basically year Right. of playing and everything but yeah at some point like something's going to happen your opportunity's going to come and you got to be ready to take it
1: yeah For sure. and your opportunity does come in Denmark where you go on trial there and I believe they were kind of like in the midst of a relegation battle right yeah I, I was on the plane with another guy um
2: to Denmark and I'd done my research and they had like three games left in the season um and needed I think four points um mm-hmm to avoid relegation but like I was just sitting on the plane thinking like oh my days man I'm gonna be walking into like hostile environment like who it would Denmark, yeah who in Denmark like wants two guys from the U.S. on trial with like the three most important games of the season left like these guys aren't gonna be like oh our saviors they're gonna be like who the hell are these guys and why are they here you know but uh I did not find that at all thankfully everybody was super welcoming like super kind super accommodating um everybody spoke english really well like they fit you into conversations like they included you in things you know i never really felt like isolated or like unwelcomed so mm-hmm. yeah i i can't thank uh, the danish people and and culture and enough for that but uh it could have been yeah could have been a lot worse again got a little lucky
0: but Sure, and and the adjustment period for first when you went to Denmark uh, that first season you made sixteen appearances, some of those just off the bench, but then the following season uh, you played in thirty, uh, most of those starting. I assume there was a big learning curve, or just getting used to the culture or style of play, um, because that's a big jump in in game time because it was significant. It was like a triple the amount of game time I saw. So yeah, how was that first? I guess the first few games where you're fighting this relegation battle and then that first full season. Yeah. So, um, it's,
2: it's a tale of two very different stories. Um, my first season and my second, uh, my first season, we were full-time professional, um, had some very quality players, uh, paid some good wages, trained in the morning, breakfast, lunch, very professionally ran. My second season, uh, we got a new owner, um, we can get into that. We had a bankruptcy scare like 24 hours from everybody being like free, Um yeah. whatever. So we got a, a new owner for my second year and we went part-time and uh this guy kind of just tried to play like moneyball in real life and, and built a little bit of a team that wasn't necessarily at the level for, for that league. Mm. So um I benefited of course, because then I went from, kind of being on lower on the totem pole uh, to being one of the first on the team sheet kind of. Uh, so that's kind of the short answer of how that's how the game time tripled. Um, but as for the adjustment period, um, I had a very tough adjustment period, honestly, uh, in Denmark. Like they, they kept me because they saw the potential in me um, from a physical aspect, I believe, um, but not so much from the technical um, and I think I believe Denmark and Danish football is very technical. Uh, they like to build out from the back they like to they like to play so for me it was a very big adjustment technically. Uh, college I got away with with technique because I was fast strong and that was the college game. Um, I won aerial duels I could jump um, and just win the physical battles but I had a very sharp uh, and steep learning curve when it got to Denmark like my first four months, I just struggled with like, man, I'm not even sure I deserve to be here. I'm one of the worst three in training, like just feeling like I was up against the world uh, at times. And obviously like I went away for school 16 hours away, but like, it's not a different country. It's not, you know, a foreign country. Uh, There's no language barrier uh, at school. So like, I didn't have any, any real trouble adjusting culturally in school, of course. But when I got to Denmark, like you're on your own a bit, you're in another country, you don't understand the language, you can communicate with everybody. I got lucky again there, like Denmark, everybody speaks English. I could speak to anybody, full conversation on the street. Um, So thankful for that, but yeah, the adjustment period and what was expected of me um, from a footballing sense was a lot more than I'd ever been asked of before. Um, Our coach was very demanding he's a very hard-nosed stoic um coach and he was the same type of player he played in fck for 15 years something like that um but yeah i he knew i wasn't ready i quickly found out i wasn't ready um but i eventually like adjusted i i grew into into the team into football into the technical and tactical aspect and uh, eventually earned his trust enough to get some minutes uh, in the fall Uh, I got my first start I think like November like one of the last four or five games of the season I actually scored in this game we beat the third place team like seven two I think (laughs) Um, scored five minutes into this um, bench for the next week by the way Um, yeah that's that's Yeah, it was harsh, but to be fair, I replaced the captain. I was never just going to outright replace him. Right, right, right. My coach even came to see me in the gym. I think, like, we played on a Sunday, and I had, like, a Monday Monday regen session, and I was just in the gym. He said, ah, Kyle, you know, I was I was very impressed and, uh, you know, honestly kind of surprised by your performance. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, Danish are very blunt. Just come out. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, um... You know, some people would just think that you'd go into the team sheet, into the eleven next next week, but uh, you know,
1: but uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to happen, type yeah. of things. So
2: I was like, well, okay, uh, you good
1: know, to him, it's good coaching. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean,
2: I felt I proved myself. I I proved to myself, to him, and to my teammates uh, in some aspect that like I do belong here. I can play here. You know. I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. yeah, So then, uh, in the spring, um, I eventually just gained his trust and I I started getting more consistent minutes and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that year. Um, when I look at it from a whole, because my first three months, I was like the lowest in the lows, like, you know, close to like on the edge of tears sometimes when I went home because football was my whole life at this point. Like, you know, you have a bad training, like you, you feel below something, like it just affects your day. It's yeah. something I've learned to cope with better. Still not uh, great at it, but, but getting there. But yeah, the, to look at like the first three months and how that went and then look at the last three months of that year, like I'm, I'm quite proud of myself and the, the progress, the development and just like how I grew as a footballer and a person at that time. Um, but then yeah, like I said, uh, the second year, uh, new owner came in. We kept like five of the of the same players of like twenty six from the first year. Oh wow! So we kept five. Yeah, I, my whole like role in the team got flipped on its head. I kind of went into a bit of a leadership role, and and one being one of the more experienced players on the team, and yeah, I, I played a lot of games at that level. Um, I learned a lot of things about myself, but we were just in a relegation battle the whole time. And, you know, we were never really, we never really gained any ground on like staying up. So it was a tough year in that aspect, but also personally, I, I felt I did well and felt I established myself in the league and, and got some good minutes and some quality experience for, for my career. Um, but yeah, that, that explains the, the, the,
0: three times the amount of playing sure, time. Sure, sure,
1: um, yeah. Again, a little lucky. I mean, speaking on that adaptation period, I was gonna ask just how you look back at it. And it's it's really cool to see like, that you say that you're proud about it and 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 how you kind of came through it. So for people, I guess players, especially kind of in similar situations where that adaptation period is kind of taking over and there's that cloud, what are some ways that you feel like helped you in those moments? And then also looking back, you know, with all of this learning from it and the experience now, what are some things that you kind of wish maybe you had done to help in that moment? Oof, what I wish I had done. I wish I'd been better about like.
2: I so I have a a, a mental coach now. I wish um, I was more aware that that was like a a possibility. A I wish I, yeah. yeah, I wish I was like. I wish I had that from the start because that would have changed a lot of things um, rather than just kind of learning on my own uh, about myself. But again, I I also wouldn't trade that. Like I wouldn't trade those six, eight months where I learned a lot about myself and and all that Uh, in terms of dealing with it, man, that's a, that's a tough answer. Like kind of like I said before, I've always just kind of kept my head down and kept moving. Like that's just how I've, gotten to where I am. Um, So there was some aspect of that, but then uh, yeah, another big aspect actually was like culturally just leaning into that. Um, I learned a lot about Denmark. I learned a lot about, I got into personal relationships with my teammates Um, whenever my team, like we didn't do it often, but whenever we would have like an, like an outing where, you know, we were going as a team somewhere, I was always there. Uh, and, <laughs> they love net cafes and going to like computer cafes and playing counter-strike in Denmark.
1: Really? I never played counter-strike
2: in my life. Um, <laughs>
1: so, so really leaned into counter-strike. Yeah. Like they, they were like, Oh, we're going to go
2: to the net cafe. And I was like, what the hell is a net cafe? I'm like, Oh, we play counter-strike. What the hell is counter-strike? Okay. And they were like, yeah, we're going like 10 of us. It's like, all right, I'm in. I, I mean, I'll go learn. And you know, why not? Like, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to go home and sit at home. Like I'm going to go hang out with my teammates, form some relationships and like, just lean into it. Um, And that was one of my favorite parts about being abroad is like experiencing different cultures and, and seeing how other people live their lives. So I leaned into that and I think that played a big part in, in my adjustment and in like into dealing with things like, I then, with the relationships I formed, I was able to talk about how I was in training with my teammates and like kind of hear some of their perspectives about me as a player and and all that and I realized like how much I kind of kicked myself down at times rather than like moved forward like kept moving forward so mm-hmm. it's yeah a tough answer, but i I kind of just
0: dealt with it. I don't know yeah. like <laughs> I just did it. I mean, I, w- I want to stay on the saying yes thing, because this is something that we have brought up before. And I heard it on a podcast a long time ago, when I was first uh, beginning my travels It's like, when you're in a foreign country, this was not a, an athlete, but it, you can put it into our situation is like, when you go to a foreign country, like yourself, you went to Denmark, when your teammates invite you to go somewhere, do it, always do it. There's, yeah. of course, exceptions. And of course, maybe they're not doing the right thing, you shouldn't do it. But 99 out of 100 times you will be happy that you went because now you form a relationship with these people you realize that a lot of them just turn off their football brain completely and they just want to hang out and they just want to hang out with you because you're american and you're foreign and you're new and practice their english whatever it is wherever you are but it's like then you realize okay like look i have friends it's not just teammates i was like oh these guys these guys are my friends we can go do we go play counter-strike which is kind of funny but either way it's just doing something and just hanging out with them and in the beginning, I definitely, uh, even I did it in Mongolia, but then in Germany, in the beginning, I kind of didn't do it. And I realized that once I did start to hang out with my teammates, or there just a few of them, when yeah. I would go hang out with them, I was just, it was just so much happier. You go to yeah. training, and now it's not just like, oh, you see me in my training, but you could talk about stuff with them or talk about whatever. And it really changed my experience. In the beginning, in Germany it was maybe a little rough, and after a few months, it was so much better because of that.
2: Yeah, I I mean I can't re- recommend it enough. Um, I still do it to this day. Like anytime somebody's like, "Oh, we should know," even just after a game, go grab a beer. Yeah, I'm in. You know, yeah. I'm I'm there. Um, but then also kind of a moving a little bit away from that, like um, and kind of what you mentioned, like getting turning your football brain off. Like yeah, when I first got to Denmark, I was it was kind of like a a moment in my life where it was. Like, like, okay, football is my life. That's all I'm doing right now. I can put 100% of my effort to football. You know, I was pumped about it. Like This is like the first time Like I can put everything I own, not worry about school, all that. I came to realize pretty quickly that like that drains you. Um, like I said, like focusing on training uh, is one thing, but then taking training home and thinking about it there um, really kind of like yeah, it killed me. Uh, so being able to turn that off and like enjoy life outside of football became like a very important aspect uh, of life abroad for me. And not, I mean, I'm sure it's the same back home even. Um, but yeah, like, you know, just those social those social encounters and, and times where you can not even have to worry about training or game or yeah. mistakes you made, like it changed everything for me. Um, once I kind of realized that
1: I kind of thought of this phrase the other day when I was thinking, I was talking a little bit about this obsession period as an athlete and how it can kind of take over you. But also like when you use it to its strengths, obviously it can get you to places you never thought. And that was just kind of calculated obsession. So it's like knowing when to be obsessed with the sport and to make yourself better. And then knowing when to just try and completely flip that off because that's bringing the, the obsession home it sometimes can be good. You know, you you can analyze, you can kind of see the sport from a different view, but when it becomes everything, that's when it becomes like the shoulders are too heavy. And then it's always yeah, kind of like, at some point. it's detrimental. And then you, that's when you get into a lot of the things where you're always looking at something from how did I do in this view? Like, yeah. Oh, I made this mistake. I made this, I did this when the team game, like, like when you spoke to your, your teammates, you kind of saw from their point of view that maybe you're being too hard on yourself. And that's kind of bringing yourself out of it. I mean, watching game film or kind of thinking a game's back, I still do it a lot, but I've gotten better at it is just knowing that the game doesn't revolve around me. And I mean, that can just be ego sometimes or just you have high expectations of yourself, but just knowing that every mistake that you made is not the, how everyone is thinking in the stadium or how your coaches or how your teammates are thinking. Because yeah. everyone's making mistakes.
2: It depends on the mindset as well. I think at that time in my career, I was focusing a lot on the negatives. Um, maybe because there were more negatives than positives at that time, but my obsession became in the mistakes I made, um, and that was not healthy.
1: Um, of course, that's the flip. That's a big flip side of it is right. when the obsession takes over into everything and everything negative, and then it's tough. It's tough to flip that switch when it gets to that point
2: yeah but i will say like the whole time i was uh not doing well in training i was in the gym i was in early i was doing i was doing the right things to improve but i just had so much more of a focus on the mistakes and that was definitely like where where the issues lie
0: mm-hmm. right right it plays a role in your confidence and all that for sure And then, I mean, from there, I guess we jump right into making the move to Iceland. How was that transition to then going to another new country, new league, uh, new culture? Did you kind of take what you learned in Denmark and brought it there? I definitely did. Um,
2: I also came to Iceland at a weird time. Uh, It was right on the heels of COVID. Not even heels, it was mid-COVID. I finished my contract in Denmark. I, we got relegated, Um didn't know if there was going to be a league, didn't know when the league was going to start all this. And kind of like, there were too many question marks. I couldn't afford to pay for an apartment without income. I couldn't afford to eat without income. And it kind of just like forced me to make a move. Um I just had some connections in Iceland that I relied on. And And jumped on that, uh, had a little bit of a plan. Like I went to a team in the second tier in Iceland initially. Um, Their season runs basically the USL schedule, uh, like March to – well, April, May to October. So there were like seven games left, and I went there, and it was just kind of like, okay, I'll promote with this team and play a year, and then I'll be right again in the football world, and I'll move on. Uh, But that was not the case. I'm still in Iceland, so uh, hardly
1: ever goes the plan, though does it? Hardly yeah, ever exactly. goes the plan
2: yeah, but um I don't know, like Denmark and Iceland um there can be like cultural differences there there are cultural differences, of course, but like when you're in a country that that speaks English so well um and like just the Scandinavian countries speak English so well, and like the quality of life is so good and like there's not much to worry about, um, Mm -hmm. in, in life here. So like, it wasn't a massive transition for me. Um, even U S to Denmark, there were obviously some changes, some differences, but like, um, then Denmark to Iceland, like I didn't feel like there were many changes. Um, but again, I got to know my teammates and I had a good roommate, Fred, um, who I really enjoyed playing with, living with and everything. So, Uh, That definitely made the transition easier. But I think in this situation, yeah, I I dropped down in levels kind of in a sense um, without like, you know, taking away from Icelandic football. I dropped down in a level and I think at that point, much more confident in my abilities. Um, So I kind of came in to, to Iceland, to my team with a different attitude of just like, all right, I'm I'm kind of the guy, you know, like I have the confidence, I I believe in myself and I know my ability. So that definitely like as much as I don't like to let it football affects everyday life. So at that point, I was in a winning team, I was playing well, I scored some goals, like it made the adjustment period so much easier. Um Yeah, just kind of.
1: It spills over so easily in terms of the winning, losing, and the performances. And that's a, it's a skill I'm sure we're all kind of learning every day. It might have gotten better throughout our careers, but it's still like so far from being able to separate the two. Yeah,
2: it's you can definitely improve in that aspect, but I don't think you can really like master it. Uh, Obviously, being on both sides, fighting relegation, and playing for trophies—like when you're winning. It's just better. The water yeah. tastes better. Like
1: the yeah. sky, <laughs> pure, you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Everything's going to plan when, when you're yeah. winning, everything couldn't yeah. be, couldn't be Especially better. Especially just as a, as a competitor. Yeah. I mean, did you, so when you were in Iceland on that first team and then making the transition into where you are now, did you, did you, was that part of kind of the plan was to, to work your way up as quickly as possible and get noticed by, you know, a team that was one of the best in Iceland, if not the best.
2: Um, yes and no. Like when I first came to Iceland, it was, um, finish the season with this team, promote, play in the first tier, prove my level and kind of move on. Um, when we didn't promote, which is kind of a crazy story, we had like, I think seven or eight games left in the league in third place, top two promoted, um, and then we got down to the last three games. I think two or three games. We played the first t- the first place team still. Like that was one of the games. One of the three tied on points and seconds, uh, and they canceled the league. Um, yeah, canceled the league. Three games left in a promotion battle. Like holy shit! Yeah, I could not believe it. Then they sent the other team up because they had a better goal difference. Wow! Uh-huh. Um, by like two or three. Not even joking.
1: Was there like protests? Uh, was there like how did this? Because that's I, crazy. I was ready to protest and go like
2: to do whatever I had to do to like. I'm sure fix that, but I kind of just went home and I kind of let them deal with it. There were like some lawsuits and stuff, but like nothing really ever like that I saw. I was outside of Iceland at the time when all of this was kind of going down. Like there wasn't a whole lot that that I saw that like was ever gonna change, I guess. So basically I'd only played six games in Iceland. I didn't have any sort of like resume or profile in the league in the country. And I kind of just was I felt a little stuck, but it was like, all right, I have to re-sign with this team, play another year. Um the goal was in the club was to promote, of course. So I'm not gonna say the plan was like get noticed by a bigger, better team, but it just kind of worked out that way um I went back that summer and we didn't lose a game and promoted and you know everything was good and then the Icelandic champions kind of came knocking for me and there's just an opportunity I could not uh, could not turn down
1: was it a difficult decision kind of just because I'm sure they wanted to resign you after an historic season like that and to yeah, bring them up but also know like in the end we do a lot of things for the teams and clubs that we love but. We have to take the opportunities we think we deserve and can get.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's a, like the, the communities in Iceland are built around the clubs. Um, So like the neighborhood that I was in, I saw these kids all the time. I was coaching these kids, like, you know, love doing that. Like you're just around the community a lot. Um, They grew to new, to know me, you know, I knew a lot of these kids that I was coaching and there was just, like, a buzz around the club because uh, it was their first time in, like, eight or nine years. They are, like, a very historically big and, like, well-respected club, but it had been eight or nine years since they'd been in the top tier. So it was such an emotional time when we, like, promoted. Uh, in our last game, oh, man, they they put the ad boards, like, stay at Kyle Thrum. So, like...
1: Like they putting, man they pulling were pulling on some, the
2: heartstrings, man i know they were um our like end of the season banquet was a tough one for me like i was i hadn't made a decision at this point like everybody knew that Vikinger, my current team had had come into the picture um but i can't even tell you man how many people came up to me at this banquet pulled me for a chat and were like kyle you have to stay here my kid loves you like they love watching you play. You're their favorite player. Like, you know, assistant coaches coming up to me, like board members, Kyle, you got to stay here. Like, you know, we need you here. And like, it was such an emotional time, very tough time. Like I was just getting kind of bombarded by like this love, which was great in in some aspects, but also like made my decision so much tougher. Um, But then I went away, visited my friend in France and kind of like, stepped back a little looked at it a little more objectively um yeah just compared the contracts but like you know champions league football playing for the icelandic champions like so
1: tough to pass up
2: yeah it was like it was a tough tough to pass up and then my club actually made it even tougher because i i actually took the decision um funny enough at a PSG game. I just score, saw Messi score like his first goal for PSG and then I was like texting my agent, I'm going to Vikinger. Um <laughs> I love yeah, that. I, yeah. I love uh, that. <laughs> but I like I made the decision, came back to Iceland, and then had like three days before like a press conference to be announced, to sign and everything. And I get a text from like the the technical director, I guess, in from, and they're like, Hey, have you signed anything? And I was like, no. Uh, why? Like, can you come in to the club? And I was like, Oh man. And basically it's just like an hour and a half, like a very emotional conversation of like them trying to, to kind of sway me at this point. And then kind of in the end, financially threw some stuff at me and, and like, I had to go home and I had like 24 hours. and It was like, like the, I'm not even going to get into how much, but like enough to make me question this decision. um, Mm -hmm. is like kind of what they, they bumped their offer up. And then I kind of went home and I was like calling my mom and I was like, mom, I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, you know, so yeah, I, I stuck with my, with my gut, went to Vikinger and like you know it's kind of history at this point but it was it was such a tough year yeah i can't even imagine yeah just being a part of this community like feeling loved by everybody for like a year and like i'm not gonna say turning my back on them but like i had i had to take this step in my in my career as a natural progression and like but it just wasn't easy
0: at all no no definitely not and and good Kyle, reflecting on the journey now, what would you say that helped you get to this moment where you are? So in other words, why did Kyle make it as a pro and why is he still going? Oh, why did I make it as a pro? Uh kind of the
2: theme of just what I've said as I as I've gone through this episode, I've just kind of I've always just kept moving forward. Um I don't know, maybe that's just like a really simple way of putting it, but like any obstacle, I just I've kept pushing through it. I've always found a way to adapt, to adjust and, and to conquer things. And I, I don't know, uh, what that is inside me, but it's just keeps me moving. I'm not even gonna say it's like inner motivation or anything. Like I just keep moving. Um, but as for why I'm a professional, a lot has to do with my family. Um, you know, how I grew up and the support they've given me. Um, like I said, after, after graduating and before going to Denmark, I had six months where my parents were just basically funding my lifestyle. (laughs) Like, uh, I was very blessed in that aspect of them, like, pushing me, knowing when to push me and also just, like, letting me figure things out and letting me kind of uh, come to my own conclusion. So uh, I think the way I was raised has a lot to do with where I am today, of course. Um, Then what was the, the second second bit why are you still going oh why am i still going because i love football i love being able to say i play football at this level i love being able to to be an athlete a competitor at this level and i just feel as though i can keep moving forward Uh, i feel like i can keep moving up in my career and you know as as most most athletes will tell you they just want to reach the highest level they can um, with with each accomplishment, I put my sights further ahead. So that's why I'm still going. Maybe it's in short to prove things to myself. I don't think I'm proving anything to anyone else at this point. Um, more to myself. But yeah, that's why I keep moving
1: forward. Love that. Love it. We're going to head into the Fast Feet round. Some quick fire questions to end off. We're going to start with favorite player growing up.
2: Uh, either lampard or terry chelsea
0: guy yes yes sir let's go favorite moment of football um favorite
2: moment um oh man it's supposed to be quick yeah i'll say lifting the trophy but also i played indoor back home and playing in front of my friends and family was something else
1: Mm. your dad had played for the club as well right yeah correct that's kind of crazy you Passing down of the jersey, I'm sure that was a nice kind of emotional no. touch to it all. Yeah, some
2: good Christmas pictures from that one. But we actually had a, <laughs> I had an instance where we played in a friendly, and my brother was actually on the other team, and then a bunch of friends and family. That was oh, that's, that's awesome. Cool.
1: That was a cool moment. How about most difficult
2: moment? Um, the the first three to four months in Denmark, I think. Um, yeah, kind of already hit on all the points there, but just a tough time
0: best advice you ever received um
2: best advice I ever received i think it's just i don't know if it was ever like just a simple piece of advice or like something telling me this but um just learning to focus more on myself not worry about what others are thinking and uh
1: and just yeah focus on yourself basically keep your head down best player you ever played with and against Oof, okay, this is a tough one, with, um, some of my
2: teammates now are very good players. Uh, I'll say Pablo Punied, uh, El Salvadorian International, just the way he, the way he controls a game and the way he plays and his touch and everything is just unreal. Um, I played with Mikkel Tugesson in Denmark, uh, played for many years in the Bundesliga, Gladbach. um. I saw him a little bit towards the tail end of his career, but still but saw the you quality. You see it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another one, Nikolai Vallis. Uh, he actually just got his first call up to, to the Danish national team. He went wow. from, I think, the fourth tier in Iceland to the third tier, to the second tier, to the first tier, to the national team. So, wow. Yeah. He was, uh, you just, you could see the quality he had as well. Um, and then against, oof. Oh, I can't even think of his name. The striker in Poznan was, was a very good player. Um, then another winger, Velde as well. He was very good. Um, and then, yeah, in Denmark, we played against Nord-Sylund, uh in a, in a winter friendly. And they had uh, Mikkel Damsgold, who I didn't yeah. even know at the time. He had like 27 on his back. We were playing against some youth guys, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? Then he dusted some of us. Um, <laughs> And then, um, Sadiq as well. I think he's now in Haken. Um Those two stood out from Norseland, but I think
0: those are that's the list. Probably left people out, but big names. Yeah. If you were in a footballer, what would you be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I didn't even
2: look this far down on the list. I wasn't. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be a business tycoon.
0: Okay. No, I, a business tycoon.
2: I don't know. I, I want to be like, not want to be, I think I'd be like a, a good kind of like medical salesman where I'm set my own schedule on the road. I couldn't sit behind an office desk. So yeah, like a traveling salesman, I guess. I don't know.
1: Okay. Try the traveling salesman. Yeah. There you go. It's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> How about um, if you're a reader, do you have a favorite book?
2: I do. Uh, I think in recent times, it's the subtle art of not giving a mm. F. Um, yeah. You can just Yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, kind of just focusing on yourself and like also just picking what you want to care about mm. and giving all of it or giving all of yourself to that basically.
0: Sure. And the last one we kind of touched on it in the episode, any quote or mantra that you live by yeah create your own luck
2: um yeah it's kind of always been my my motto like, you know you're going to get lucky but you have to create it with hard work basically um mm. and like i said you know at, at certain points where i got an opportunity uh and i got a little a little lucky in the opportunity i was always ready to tackle the opportunity so
1: yeah Traveling salesman's good, but I like creator unlock for the, yeah. for the title. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see which one we Let's go with that. With. Please don't make it traveling salesman. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Just go, just go, That's post. fair enough. Well, Kyle, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate your time and kind of diving through the story and, you know, you're being an open book with us. I think a lot of, a lot of players and people outside of the game can take so much from this. And as you head into this next chapter and this next obstacle, you know, the mindset that you've had and to keep moving forward we have no doubt will only lead you to uh further success, so we want to thank you again man and and all the best
2: I appreciate it I can't believe I didn't say the toughest point in my career was my injury I didn't even like didn't cross my mind um, but <laughs> I appreciate great, having me <laughs> on and, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it of course and for those of you who will be listening on our podcast or on Kyle's you know this is this is the time where you know you can plug your own pod and and make sure you guys check it out too. Yeah, the Full 90 podcast, baby, come check it out. Um, <laughs> I'm currently
2: on a series where I'm talking about injuries, so if that's not your thing, maybe not. But I'll get into some more careers as well. So love
1: that Appreciate though. It's, I mean, it's such a to- it's a topic that's everyone's going to have to deal with at some point. So exactly. I think that's that's amazing. Appreciate right. it. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, special thanks to Kyle for coming on and sharing his story. I really liked how honest he kind of was in terms of the steps and the mental approaches that he took and takes, you know, and kind of being open with us and, you know, our listeners that it's really not all sunshines and rainbows and like a lot of this takes a lot of time and a lot of this you still will never perfect and that these things come in waves you know, and I think it's it's super important to kind of share that side of it as well, because a lot of us go through and get to these highs that you know we didn't think we'd go through, but we've also had these lows that no one sees or that only our inner circles kind of know. So it's 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 good for me to kind of take those words too in periods of uncertainty or periods where things aren't going as well as you would think, and then just knowing where you can take it or where things can go and how you can deal with it and just knowing you know as we said and as he said which was nice just keep moving forward and you know learning and sharing and knowing that it'll be good in the end and that you never know what's going to come from it yeah
0: yeah just it's just a great he has a great story it's a classic like overlooked i mean even didn't even just walk down to college and then he played champions league europa league qualifiers i mean It's kind of it. That's that is the story, right? It's the undergrowth under underdog story. Yeah. Um and yeah, I really love the point that we've spoken about before is like, but saying yes to opportunities or invites. Agreed. It's like it's so important and you might not want to do anything. You might want to just lay on the couch and watch Netflix or whatever it is, but like nothing good is gonna come out of or nothing like eye opening or like an amazing experience that you remember forever is never gonna happen in that situation you got to leave the apartment that's like that's kind of the gist of it of what this person on this podcast said was like wherever you're staying in your hotel or in your room like nothing good is going to happen there nothing that you're going to remember like you need to go out and if someone's inviting especially a local like just go because you're going to probably experience something that you might not be able to see as just a tourist like you need a local to show you the cool spot or whatever you know and i think that's we've both really realized that. And every time you meet new people are put in that situation, it's like, you're so happy that you went through with it.
1: Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's so easy. Like, I mean, you can sit and tell people to like work on mental things and meditation and things like that. But when you're kind of like stuck in a place in your home and you're just thinking about it, like it's very tough to even like do those things that will take you completely out of it. Like sometimes right. you just have to take a jump outside And then, you know, you're still thinking about it maybe in the first minutes, but then you come out of it and then it wasn't there. And then that makes it easier to deal with like the next times. I think that cycle of it is, I completely agree. And hearing like, you know, how you said it, like I was very similar ways in a lot of contracts that I've had in the beginning, you kind of just say no to a lot of things. And, you know, sometimes you need to say no because you know how you have to prepare but sure. most of the time, it's just like, say yes, even if it's a little uncomfortable at first, say yes, even if it's, you know, doing something that you don't know, or talking to people you don't know, because in the end of it, you're always going to come out feeling like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. And I got out of thinking about the game for a little bit. And I think that's so important. Right. That, I mean,
0: that's a perfect way to put it. It's like, you might spend all this time, oh, I need to meditate or it need to watch the game to get out of it it actually turns out the best thing is to like distract yourself completely with doing something enjoyable and then when you're finished with that so you're sitting on the train going home you can then reflect like okay the emotion's kind of gone exactly look at it just analytically okay i did this this i could do this better but i did this really well and you move on because you've brought yourself
1: back to that like almost equal level and i think that's the best time for reflection is when you can kind of And obviously it's, it's, it's very tough to bring yourself back to that balance. But when you can try and do those things, those little tricks, that's the easiest time to reflect and then think about, okay, what's the next step? Okay. Was it really, did I really play this bad? Okay. You know, what's next from here next? What's the next step forward? What's the putting my next foot forward. Exactly. What a story though, man. I mean, playing in, in the highs winning Icelandic cups, you know, taking it to, to heights that many people probably didn't see and, you know, always having the determination to, to take the next step and to push himself. You know, there's been a lot of difficulties. He's going through one right now with injuries and yeah, I implore all of you to kind of go and and, and listen to him and the injury chronicles where he's talking to guests and things about these, these topics, because Yeah you may get something from this and the injuries, but you know, there's always different ways that people look at it and different strategies and those ways might help you. So, yeah, again, just appreciative to him and his story and, and coming on yeah. and, you know, I'm excited to see him conquer this next step. Exactly.
0: And then with that, that free support always helps.
1: Yeah. Take, take a step for us, take a step, take for, a us. step for us, for us and like something subscribe to the newsletter there will be a newsletter going out very soon with some new information um yeah all that stuff helps all that stuff helps us share more stories all those things help us um get in touch with you guys and and the next crop and generation of footballers and people outside of football too so you know we're appreciative of the love and support and if you can you know just give a little time for those clicks. That's that's how the world's running these days. So please.
0: That's right. Until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. I like how you emphasize keep moving forward. Hey, he Just said it a few times today, too. Huh? We had to. Yeah. yeah it's I been, always it's smile when they say that.
1: <laughs> like, ha ha. Like it's when they mentioned the, yes, the movie title.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: Right.